0: It is 11.30 here at KRVN, which means it's time for midday here on this Thursday, May 27th. Thanks for choosing the rural voice in Nebraska to be a part of your day. Tyler Cavalli will be joined by the same cast of characters as we always are. Jason Jorgensen in sports. Recap uh, State Golf as well. That wrapped up yesterday. Plasty had to wait a little longer uh, with the, the severe storms that rolled in North Platte yesterday, but they eventually made it through. Bob Brogan will step in. He'll preview what the business numbers are looking like so far, the stock numbers in particular. And, of course, in about 15 minutes, we will hear from our own Paul Perkins as he will recap the storms from last night and what we can expect for your long holiday weekend coming up. But uh, as we always do, let's uh, catch up with our own Susan Littlefield.
1: Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Here is what's happening on a midday coming from the farm team. It's a Thursday, which means we'll catch up with the angler journey. We'll have all the details coming from Alex. Then at 1245, I'll step in to speak with Dan Erdman with Farm Rescue. Work continues as they move from spring planting to the first crops of hay and, of course, Operation Haylift that is still underway. And then wrapping up everything at 117, I'll speak with the Cattlemen's Beef Board Chair, Hugh Sandberg, as we talk about May is Beef Month and the focus of pushing beef all summer long. That's a midday from the farm team.
0: All right, we look forward to that uh, key information coming up later on today. Let's turn things over to uh, Jason Jorgensen. And, uh, Jason, what do you have for us today? Well, they got
2: state uh, golf completed, as you said, and Elm Creek had its best showing in school history as the Buffaloes were the state runner-up in Class D to St. Pat's. Here from head coach Jace Doolin about the Buffalo's big finish and a big finish for Jace because that was his final act yeah, yeah. as an employee at the Elm Creek Public Schools as he will be moving over and will be the new shop teacher and the new football coach at Cozad in the fall so that's a pretty good way to go out with a runner-up state finish
0: I would say and uh, is he going to have any influence on the golf team in Cozad.
2: I don't believe he's going to be coaching golf and just football, as far as I know. But he could, they could swing on by and he could give them some tips. I'm just saying, it seems like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, the, uh, the pride of McCook knows a lot of things, right there <laughs> at Jace. Also, speaking of McCook, McCook's T.R. Schmidt, she is competing for the UNK Lopers at the Division Two National Track and Field Championships, which are going on in Michigan, because she has been a uh, hall of um, an All American before. She has qualified for the national meet in two events she will be involved in the hammer throw later on this afternoon after four so best of luck to her also the naia national meet is also going on in concordia's women stand a decent shot of winning the whole thing
0: yeah that's happening in alabama where's division two at did you just say i missed it in michigan in michigan you said michigan that's an odd f- spot for it especially for
2: outdoor yeah especially but, this time of year i mean but hey at least they're having one Correct, and not in a ballroom. So, <laughs> yeah. know, just Although I'd like to see someone try to throw the hammer
0: in a ballroom. <laughs> that that would be a must-see TV. You better have a high <laughs> ceiling, that is for sure. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. And Bob, how are uh, numbers looking so far on this Thursday? Stocks are mostly higher, with the exception of the technology sector, which has given back some of its recent gains. Also, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits dropped last week a bit. And uh speaking of uh the GDP, which that report came out today, the US economy grew at a uh robust annual rate of 6.4% in the first 3 months of the year. That's uh what's going to be in the business today. All right, thank you very much. It is time for regional ag weather updates. Paul Perkins now joining us, brought to you by Holdridge
3: Irrigation. And Well, Paul, it was a
0: not a quiet afternoon or evening for a good portion of our listening area yesterday.
3: Especially over southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, numerous tornadoes being spotted on the ground. Luckily, those stayed away from the city areas and mostly stayed in the rural areas. A lot
0: of rain as well from really across uh, a lot of Nebraska and Kansas.
3: Yeah, many locations, uh, about an inch of the third to nearly two inches of rain. So far, the biggest rain amount we have seen is in right in the Kearney area with about two and a half inches of rain. So if you do have a rainfall total, you can email it to weather at krvn.com. But uh, some sizable rain amounts luckily just turned into a a pretty good rain event on into central areas. But yeah, kind of some rough going over southwestern areas uh, late yesterday afternoon into the the early evening and unfortunately
0: in southwest nebraska and west central regions uh, some (laughs) hail was a a factor as well
3: you betcha and probably some marble-sized hail i haven't heard seen too much in the way of damage reports as far as that hail but luckily of course the crops are in a young stage at this point today
0: we're stepping back a little bit in terms of temperatures not as warm we're only 59 right now at krvn
3: yeah definitely on the cool side right now many of us with temperatures in the upper 50s to low 60s a cold front moving southeast through the region we're still into the mid to 60s towards the Grand Island and Aurora area then we still have some low 70s from Omaha down to Beatrice and Hebron on into much of eastern Kansas that cold front not quite all the way to the southeast uh, temperatures into the upper 50s to the low 60s for the most part, down to 55 still in the Broken Bow area and 49 under temperature in Ainsworth and 48 in Valentine. We will see increasing amounts of sunshine as the day goes on right now. That sunshine light to about North Platte, down to Curtis and McCook, but we are still seeing some pockets of sunshine in central Nebraska from Kearney on over to the Grand Island area. But uh, gradually we will see more of that sunshine build into the region today. Temperatures, though, about 10 degrees cooler than usual with the passage of that cold front. Breezy north winds behind the front, gusting as high as 30 as we see high pressure build in behind departing low pressure and cause that difference in air pressure and increase those winds. Lows tonight going to be on the chilly side, dropping into the 40s as high pressure moves overhead with a reinforcing shot of cooler air. Tomorrow, slightly cooler than today. A little more sunshine. We'll start off with some morning clouds. The holiday weekend, though, looking rather wet and cool. Low pressure tracking east, increasing our thunderstorm chances for the central and west during the Day on Saturday, those thunderstorms likely region-wide Saturday night into Sunday night, looking like a pretty wet day on Sunday. Many of the forecast models indicating we could see another 2 to 3 inches of rain on top of the rains that we did see last night. Rain chances will linger into Memorial Day before they taper off to some slight chances Monday night through Wednesday. It just seems normal to have a wet Memorial Day weekend.
0: It does, and it seems not like it. as warm temperatures either. At <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah, temperatures only in the low to mid-60s for many of us this holiday weekend. Daytime highs, 15 degrees cooler than average for Saturday through Memorial Day. They will warm slightly to around 10 degrees below average for Tuesday and Wednesday. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska temperature is mostly seasonal to slightly warmer than normal for Tuesday through June 9th. The Kansas temperature is, though, more likely to be cooler than normal for Tuesday through the 9th of June. A let-up in the rain looks to be on the way with near-normal to slightly below-normal rainfall predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through June 9th. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and 4 inches down, as low as the low to mid-50s in the Nebraska panhandle. Soil temperatures in the upper 50s from North Platte and Ogallala on into north-central Nebraska, central, southwest, and northeast Nebraska, along with northwest Kansas on the soil temperatures in the low 60s, southeast Nebraska into central and east Kansas so with soil temperatures as warm as the mid to upper 60s. Improving numbers in our regional drought monitor, Nebraska improved 7 percentage points to 62% drought-free, mainly just some low-stage abnormal dryness from Curtis to Hayes Center, the northern part of the state, and the Nebraska Panhandle. Kansas improved a percentage point to 74% drought-free. Abnormal dryness remains from Sharon Springs to the southwest and central south-central part of Kansas along with the northeast corner of Kansas. Key weather factors in the markets include varying amounts of rain, in The central U.S. and more decline in the outlook for Brazil's winter corn crop in the Midwest. Widespread rain today and tomorrow will build on the showers from earlier in the week. Rainfall still looking no more than light to moderate in the dry northwestern areas of the Midwest. In the northern plains, periods of rain will continue through the next week, but the mounts will be lighter after today's rain. The recent rain from the northern plains bringing only slight relief from the drop. Across southern Brazil, recent rainfall is stabilizing and possibly improving some of the yield prospects for the winter corn. Meager rain amounts farther north, though, likely not enough to reverse the lower prospects in the higher production areas of central Brazil. Moderate to heavy rain across south Brazil for tomorrow through early next week. Not expected to move into the central states where drought damage continues. uh, uh, The concerns for that continue to mount.
0: As we look ahead to this weekend, you talked about chance for thunderstorms. Are we anticipating anything severe this upcoming weekend?
3: For one thing, that will be a low-end severe weather threat over the weekend, looking at some just mainly rainy periods, uh, off and on showers and thunderstorms, and it looks like to be a prolonged period Saturday night all the way through Sunday night, probably starting up later in the night time on Saturday night and pretty much all day off and on on Sunday and then uh, most of Sunday night too.
0: So if you have any outdoor plans, make sure you have a, a tarp <laughs> and your rain jacket,
3: essentially. Exactly, especially if it's Sunday. Uh, Saturday, probably the better day for that. Uh, maybe I'll let up in it by Monday for Memorial Day.
0: Okay, all right, very good. For full weather
3: forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul
1: the fnbo's fridays in the field is underway be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop
4: hey it's clay Patton, and this year for fridays in the field we take a detour from row crops to talk with max creek winery and brewery about the grape and hops crop be glad to have you tag along for this year's Fridays in the Field.
5: Join me this growing season in east-central Nebraska as I'll be following Ryan and Katie Pekarek of rural Butler County. Ryan and Katie, along with their five children, are busy all year round growing over 30 fruits and vegetables as part of their business, Pekarek's Produce.
1: In the panhandle, we'll be visiting with Jason Harriman of Scott's Club. He'll fill us in on his family's operation with corn and soybeans. They will find time to talk about the forages they raise for their cow-calf pairs in western Nebraska. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays in the Field.
5: The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you.
6: You know, I think every young person needs somebody in their life who's not in their family, who just takes an interest in you and, and says, look, I'm going to put a little time into you just in case you turn out to be something that might be valuable to the world. And if all of us had that, right? I mean, everybody talks about all the things that are wrong in the country. Well, we could solve that if every adult just found one kid.
5: That's the voice of Tom Field, the director of the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Tom has always been interested in a lot of different things.
6: You can't, you don't grow up on a ranch like the one I grew up on and not sort of have this like want to be a cowboy part of your identity. And then for reasons I'm still not really sure, I think I was really interested in history. For a long time, I thought I wanted to be an officer in the Navy. And then I just sort of wandered all over.
5: Pushing the fast forward button in Tom's life, he did a lot of entrepreneurial things before he got to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Angler program. But his experience in entrepreneurship started in elementary school.
6: So I had this friend named Dan and he was in love with radio. Like, what we're doing right now, he was interested in this like when he was probably six or seven years old. He was kind of an activator. I mean, you could play at having a radio station, right? Or you could actually go live on the airways. So by the time he, I think we were eleven or twelve years old, he figured out how to go live, like so a pirate radio station from his room, you know, out on in this little town in the mountains of Colorado. And my friend Rex and I, so Dan would put Rex and I on our little three speed, you know, banana seat bikes, you know, with the crazy handlebars. And we had these little transistor radios, and we would ride out, and we were like the scouts, seeing how far a reach he had, and trying to figure out how to boost the power where we could get past a one-block audience. Oh and eventually, goodness. we got to where we had about half the town. And Dan was the host, right? I mean, it was his show; like he was the, I mean, he was the media magnet, and we were like his little sales force. And so. It was so much fun, and eventually I think that the local radio station got irritated with him, they actually shut him down <laughs> because I'm you know sort of a violation of federal law to be broadcasting oh illegally. My gosh. But it was very empowering because we were live. It wasn't just playing. You could hear Dan on our little transistors five blocks away, and it was magic.
5: In addition to Tom's activator friends in elementary school, there was a couple from his community, Bart and Mary Strang, who were influential in Tom's entrepreneurial journey.
6: I learned to really love the power of education, to really think about the world in a different way, to see this couple that could do business together and not have their marriage suffer. They were great parents fantastic community members, and Bart was this just larger-than-life person. And, you know, I think every young person needs somebody in their life who's not in their family or is a distant relative who just takes an interest in you and, and says, look, I'm going to put a little time into you just in case you turn out to be something that might be valuable to the world. And if all of us had that, right? I mean, everybody talks about all the things that are wrong in the country. Well, we could solve that if every adult every decent adult just found one kid
5: you can learn more about tom field and the angler agribusiness entrepreneurship program at the university of nebraska lincoln at angler.unl.edu
0: it is time for midday sports jason Jorgensen is now joining us in the studio and State golf. High school state golf. is in the books. Yep, and a number of area teams performed very well at the
2: state meet that was held in North Platte for Class D at Lake Maloney. St. Pat's won the title with a 645. Elm Creek finished second with a 697. That's the best finish in school history and head coach Jay Doolin says the Buffaloes felt they had a shot.
7: Being at state and having third place finish two years ago and having four of our five kids back from the two years ago, we knew that this was a this was a viable goal. Um, we knew the golf in our area was really good. We had played pretty good around the districts, and we got to snuck in as a third-place qualifier, but um, that's all you need to do when you get to state golf.
2: My complete interview with Doolin can be found at krvn.com. For Elm Creek, leading the way was Nate Gilming, who tied for eighth, and Dalton Trampy, tied for 13th. In the team standings, Franklin was third while Burwell was fourth, and a very young Overton squad finished fifth. Brendan Walker of Mullen was a champion with a two day total of 146.
0: You can see Elm Creek uh, having, they just have had a lot of success with that group there for quite a while. And yeah, good for Overton as well. That's uh that's a, Like you said, very young, but they're on the rise.
2: They keep an eye on the Eagles next spring. (laughs) Loomis' Samantha Skimper won the Class D Girls pole vault last week at Burke Stadium. Initially, the school record holder was frustrated. She wasn't able to accomplish all of her goals that she set for herself this season. But after having some time to reflect, she says she's proud of what she did.
5: I've had a lot of good supporters that helped me realize that like I still did win, even though I didn't reach the goals that I wanted this year, I still did win. And they helped me find that joy that I kind of missed at the beginning when I did win. So yes, it's been a lot more exciting now that I've looked back and just realized that I did accomplish a lot.
2: Skimper's goal this season was to clear 12 feet. The highest mark she hit was in Arapaho early on in the year at 11 feet 8 inches. Future Husker, track and field athlete, cleared 11 feet to win Class D. That was good enough for runner-up, all-class gold. Nothing to be disappointed about in that. Oh, eleven feet. Goodness gracious. Speaking of track and field, the athletic season comes to an end for UNK as five members of the Loper track and field team. They're in Allendale, Michigan, for the Division II Outdoor Track and Field Championships. That three-day meet starts today. Top twelve finish in any individual event is good enough for all American status with the top eight earning first team accolades. McCook Redshirt Junior Thrower Tiara Schmidt and Carney Redshirt Freshman High Jumper Brayden Sornson have Previously earned All American honors. Schmidt, who's qualified in two different events, will throw the hammer this afternoon at 410. She has had a wonderful, wonderful career in Kearney. It would be great to see see her go out with a big finish. What are they expecting for her? Or was she expecting? To be in the mix, okay. I mean, to come. if you're an All-American before, you hope to be an All-American again. And 30 of the 32 teams have approved uh, to safely open at 100% capacity before the NFL preseason schedule begins. Of note, Colts and Broncos do not have clearance yet, but they're
0: expected to by August. Yeah, it's the end of May. It's a long ways away to get to August. Things are heading in the
2: right direction.
0: Okay. like to see it. Good uh, good improvements overall. And uh, good luck to uh, T.R. Schmidt as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is stepping in. And uh, Dave, first off, thanks for helping out last night with severe
8: weather coverage. We appreciate that. You bet. Uh, Just do my thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Takes a lot, especially when we have such an active... scene like we did last night in the
8: Nebraska
0: and Kansas region. And uh, with that, we're finding out more information from yesterday's storms.
8: Yes, well, of course, yesterday afternoon into the evening, as uh, you've heard, we've uh, very strong storms in parts of southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. And uh, earlier this morning, uh, KRVN Radio talked with the meteorologist at the Goodland National Weather Service office. His name is David Thede. He says there was a confirmed tornado near Bankleman.
6: So we do know that we had a fairly large tornado. The first report we got was around 3.26 p.m. mountain time, and that was about six miles north of Bankelman. That storm continued moving north. Uh, we had reports around 3.39 p.m. mountain time of telephone poles and trees down, but otherwise remaining over open country. Along with that tornado, we had uh, golf ball to tennis ball size
8: hail well storm survey crews are in parts of dundee county assessing the damage and get a size and ratings on the tornado another crew is in northeast rollins county of kansas where a separate crew is looking into a tornado that touched down there as well governor pete ricketts applauded the efforts of the nebraska legislature in his signee die address today ricketts was complimentary of several accomplishments including tax relief
6: and when you combine all of this together This body will provide over $1.8
2: billion in tax relief over the course of the
0: next two years.
8: Rick has called the accomplishment historic, saying it's the greatest amount of tax relief any legislature has done in a quarter century and potentially in the state's history. In accordance with the proclamation from the White House, Governor Ricketts has announced that all U.S. and Nebraska flags are to be flown at half-staff to honor the victims of the shooting that took place in San Jose, California earlier this week. Flags be flown at half-staff through May 30th in honor of the victims. They will remain at half-staff until noon on May 31st to observe Memorial Day. The Environmental Protection Agency is restoring a rule that grants states and Native American tribes authority to block pipelines and other energy projects that can pollute rivers, streams, and other waterways. It's the latest reversal of a Trump-era policy. A section of the Federal Clean Water Act gives states and tribes power to block federal projects over water pollution concerns, but the Trump administration curbed that review power to advance his goal of fast-tracking energy projects. Projects such as oil and natural gas pipelines. EPA Administrator Michael Reagan said that he will not hesitate to correct decisions that weaken the authority of states and tribes to protect their waters. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
1: Work continues for farm rescue as spring planting wraps up And the focus will soon start to pain across the Midwest. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We catch up with Dan Erdman with Farm Rescue as we talk about the springtime work and the farmers they've been helping.
9: Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're, you know, towards the the tail end of planting season here already. But, um, you know, we've had some amazing teams of volunteers up here who've been running uh, three different pieces of equipment, a couple air seeders and a row crop planter just kind of all throughout the region here, helping farm families, uh, again, going through a tough time, whether it be, uh, you know, a result of injury, illness, or natural disaster. Uh, a lot of folks going through cancer treatments. Um, others that have, you know, experienced uh, an injury on the farm or had recent surgery and uh, again, our, our whole goal is just to come in and and help them get through that crisis that short term crisis hopefully and keep them doing what they love to do but yeah it's been kind of a whirlwind the past few weeks here extremely dry in in a lot of the areas that uh that we 're planting in um, but thankfully got a little bit of rain this week so we're we're very thankful for that
1: uh, curious as as you talk about the the reasons that you guys go out because we 're in the era of covid. How many have the requests have come in, have been because of COVID?
9: We've had a couple, you know, and I, I, we honestly thought there, there might be more as a result, but uh, I think a lot of the folks that, that were affected maybe just didn't have as, you know, as severe, uh, a severe battle with it. Um, we, we did have a, a real severe case uh, last spring. A gentleman was in the, the hospital for a couple months, and, you know, it took him the entire summer to even regain uh, a portion of his mobility after that battle. Um, so he had come in and, and helped him finish off his canola and, and wheat crop, and uh, uh, it seems sounds like he's doing better this year. But uh, uh, again, I, I kind of expected maybe a, a few more applications as a result of COVID. Uh, we haven't really seen much this year on that front, and maybe that's a you know result of uh, increasing vaccines. Who knows? But um, but yeah, that's that is a, a qualifier that that we've looked at uh, helping if if people request it.
1: Another thing that's getting underway is gonna be haying season before we know it, and you guys have some equipment available for for folks within your region that you cover.
9: yeah, absolutely. and you know that's a big part of what we do, uh, especially in these uh, late spring uh, to to early summer months. Uh, we have a, a couple balers and uh, for those same qualifiers, injury, illness, natural disaster, if you find yourself in need of a little assistance to to get that hay crop in. Um, we got the volunteers and equipment to, to come help you through that and, uh, hopefully put up your hay crop for you. So, uh, we're, we're already taking applications, uh, for that. If, if you know you're going to be in need of some help, um, please look us up. It's, it's farmrescue.org. You can fill out an application right there on our website. Uh, or you can always call us to, to do the same and, and find out a little bit more, talk to someone and, uh, and get some of those questions answered. You might have our number is 701-412-6926. Um, and and that's actually my direct line. If you want to talk with me, so. well,
1: Dan, I think some people might be surprised to know that and when we talk region, we immediately think just the the Midwest. But you guys have forty nine states that you've got some amazing volunteers in.
9: The, I, yeah, absolutely. this is you know those are some of the incredible stories of uh, of our organization. Um, we cover seven states again: the Dakotas, Montana, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas. But the folks that are you know. Serving as our boots on the ground and actually supporting the the farm families, uh, they come from all walks of life. Like you said, it's 49 different states. The, the I think the only state we're missing that last count was Delaware. Um, but you know, it's it's pilots, it's pastors. Uh, we do have you know retired farmers, military veterans, law enforcement. Um, We have a rocket scientist, works for NASA, comes up every spring, and uh, uh, they're all just kind of bonded in in the fact that they want to help people in their time of need. And they found, uh, you know, a great way to do that in Farm Rescue and uh, just the bonds that are created um, in volunteering together and, and the bonds created with some of these farm families are just incredible stories in themselves.
1: So how does somebody sign up to be a volunteer? Maybe we can get somebody from Delaware.
9: Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. I get the all, all 50 states. Yeah, it's again all through our website, farmrescue.org. Um, we got information on kind of what's expected of our volunteers and, and obviously, um, not everyone's going to be driving a combine or expected to hop in the tractor and, and, and plant crops. There's other things you can do to help. Um, whether it just be moving vehicles for us or, um, supporting our office staff. And, and again, we're always looking for new volunteers and especially, Um, Those with CDL, uh, you know, qualifications because uh, with our current hay hauling campaign and and some of the stuff we do during harvest season, just hauling commodities, um, you know, that's – That's kind of a necessity for us as uh, as some of those CDL volunteers. So if it's something that you think you might be interested in, again, check us out on on farmrescue.org. And you can sign up to be a volunteer right there.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up talking about the hay hauling because Operation Hay Lift does continue.
9: It does, yep. And so we are, you know, uh, hauling hay to to those in the extreme drought zones. Um, I think it's D2 and D3 or higher. And uh, those affected by wildfire, there's a a good chunk of North Dakota uh, in those areas, as well as uh, uh, eastern Montana and and, uh, northwestern South Dakota.
1: That's Dan Erdman, and if you can help with hay, go to farmrescue.org. I'm Susan Littlefield, a rural radio network. It's been a month of celebrating for the beef industry. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Cattleman's Beef Board Chair Hugh Sandberg and I talked about the importance of the beef checkoff, but more importantly, May is Beef Month.
7: You know, beef is beef is such a, a unique uh, protein source for people. They enjoy it. When you look look over the past year and and what occurred, you know, in the marketplace, uh, demand stayed strong. It was obvious that people enjoy our product and want to continue to use it. And I, I'm hopeful we'll see that demand continue uh, through the, the summer grilling season. And what a wait, great way to kick it off with the month of May.
1: You know, I've heard so many folks say, Hugh, that, boy, we learned that cooking at home and grilling at home is a, is a fun thing to do. Um <laughs> So maybe post-COVID, as things start to get back to normal, folks are going to keep those summer traditions going.
7: I, I believe so, and I think you'll even throughout the whole year. I, I'm hopeful that you'll see people that had to either dust off a cookbook or or buy a new cookbook or go online to find recipes to be able to enjoy beef at home. That they found that that was a unique opportunity that maybe they'd missed out on for for a while that it was fun, that it brought their families together and you know, through the checkoff I we certainly had a lot of resources available for those people that weren't used to making meals at home and and helped to further their experience in making it fun and enjoyable and nutritious for them.
1: And you guys have an amazing website that really gives some some education not only for those outside of the beef industry but to really showcase what's happening with the beef checkoff.
7: Absolutely you know the the checkoff was designed to create demand and to stem the. you know when it came into being it was because our our demand was decreasing and it was slow to turn that tide but uh, through the efforts of the checkoff contractors we've seen that tide shift and and again when you look at the, the meat shelves throughout the pandemic, beef was gone. You and know, people wanted it. It was a comfort food. They enjoyed it. And and so I, I think part of that is attributable to the excellent work that our contractors have done for the beef checkoff over the last several years.
1: And you guys continue to celebrate 35 years of, of increasing demand for beef.
7: Yes, it's a unique year, and we'll certainly have some celebrations throughout the year to To showcase. um, And and we're spending a lot of time going back to when the checkoff uh, came into place. Uh, If you think about it, it was 35 years ago. And so there are a number of producers that maybe aren't quite as uh, seasoned as I am that don't remember when the checkoff came into place and don't understand where it came from and why it was put into place and and what it's done. And so uh, we're reaching back out uh, every chance that we get to you know, educate our producers even on why the checkoff came about and what the checkoff does and how their funds are spent and that, that they are controlled by uh, a board that's made up of people just just like uh, I am, you know, just a cow-calf producer from western Colorado. And so we're, we're uh, certainly going to have some educational components to our 35th year in service to the industry.
1: That's my conversation with Cattleman's Beef Board Chair, Hugh Sandberg. He said they'll continue to celebrate, of course, beyond the month of May as we get back to a new norm of enjoying friends, family, and summer grilling outings. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
4: on the World Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, senior marketing analyst of Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, as we take a look here at the closing grain trade, limit higher in the corn contracts, and if I'm not mistaken, that that's twice this week. Once we've seen it to the downside, now to the topside. Two limit moves in corn.
10: Yeah, it's that's. I mean, volatility is going to be one of those things. If you want to trade trade the minutia behind it, you're going to find it really really exciting. Uh, I think if you went to sleep a week ago and woke up on the close of biz right now, you would have noticed the price hasn't moved. So it's really uh, a tension level. I think in the short, short term, uh, you know, we found a floor here. Uh, I think especially in the July contract, there's just there's so much demand out there confirmed this morning by the, the USDA report. I mean, we knew the numbers, but just to get a slap in the face of 5.6 million, uh, metric tons in a week is, is, is incredible. Um, in is regard to uh to what we're going to move next year and i think the market needs needs to figure out what what the price the new crop at given the, the decent weather we have and uh you know the wheat price that's actually come back as well
4: and given the fact those wheat prices come back is that trying to confirm some data about those frost risks across the northern plains out into canada is is that the fact that we're maybe seeing the spring wheat get clipped once again
10: oh yeah and they're not getting the rain Uh the, the the borders. And I'm saying that the stopping at the border, but Canada isn't going to see the rain that we're going to get, and they're coming off a dry winter. And I just think right now the high protein wheat—that story's going to come back into vogue. You know, I've been doing it, I'm doing this job for twelve years now, so I've been following it pretty much every day. And I'm almost now—I think the market's getting a little bit addicted to the fact that the Chicago wheat is above the KC. If you've been doing this long enough, you'll know that was very rarely the case, and that's maybe changing here. Uh, but it, the U.S. harvest in Kansas is. Is good, but we've got a lot of rain, and I'm sure you folks can attest. The last 24 hours, just for yourselves, you've gotten rain. But Kansas City, pretty much Kansas City West, has gotten, I mean, close to five inches over the last week, and they're looking at more. So at some point, we get a late planting story for for Kansas. And, and no, it's i do not say just Kansas, but it is the sixth largest producing state. And any issues we have in corn are going to be felt in the markets. And you know, while this is volatile, if we have a problem with one of the I states, I think you open, you're going to see a, a limit open. And that will be, a, you know, a peak, something we haven't seen in a long time.
4: That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like to check out his newsletter this week in Grainer, you'd like to talk to John about setting up a marketing plan for your farmer ranch, check out DanielsAgMarketing.com. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do remember, though, training futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Again, you can check out the newsletter. Sign up for more, all of it, at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Catch John Payne every afternoon, again, as a podcast, Rural Radio Network.com.
0: Thank you very much, Clay. That will take care of midday on this Thursday. Catch the midday podcast later this afternoon and its entirety sponsored by Daveni Motors, wherever podcasts are available or KRVN.com.